Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Yeah, God, that is our prayer. Father, we're in this place because we want to encounter you, God. We're in this place because we're hungry for you. And so, Father, we just pray, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh on us? Holy Spirit, would you begin to reignite that fire in our hearts? Holy Spirit, would we have, we go out into our weeks with a fire that's fueled and ready to go, Father? Lord, we're just hungry for you. Would you move among us now? Father, we want to see you move. Would you, would you speak to us? Would you build us up? Would you shape us and mold us? We want to be yours and we give you our focus in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, why don't you give the band a round of applause and grab a seat. Awesome, yeah, grab your seats. Wow, it is, it's actually a little bit overwhelming to be here. Um, I didn't expect it, but it is, it is so overwhelming because I just see all these people um, that, you know, I journeyed with for so long. And uh, if you don't know me, I'm Jaden, and, and I actually grew up in this church. Uh, I, from the moment I was pretty much born, I think I was three when our family moved here, and, and I grew up in, in this church and only left three years ago. And so um, this place has a special place in my heart. But as we were worshipping, um, and, you know, just coming into the message, I just felt the Lord drop a word. And, and as I've been preparing for this, I've actually been listening to a couple of the podcasts just to get a sense of what's, what God's doing in this place. And, um, and I was surprised at how the preachers would often start off with just how beautiful the worship is and how, how God just seems to be moving through the, the praises. There's like this fragrance that's coming up out of this church. And, and being in here, I sense it. And being in here, I, I, I'm overwhelmed a little bit by that as well. And uh, it reminds me of this story how, you know, the, the Israelites were in the wilderness and they spent 40 years in there. They didn't need to spend 40 years, but they did. And through that journey, what began to happen was God was working on their hearts. And it looked like all these external things and all these practical things that were going on, like they had to get from here to there and they had to learn what not to do and what to do. But really what God was doing is he was working on the heart. He was bringing something out of their hearts. And just when they were on the prefaces of the promised land, when they were about to hand over, uh, Moses was actually coming to the end of his time and he was handing over his leadership. And he leaves the Israelites with this verse. And I wasn't going to share, I didn't plan any of this today. Um, but it's this verse in Deuteronomy 31.6. It's his parting words to, he said it, he repeated it. He said it to the leaders he was handing it on to. But then he gathered everyone around and he said it again. And he said this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, them being the giants and the problems in, in the next season. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never fail you, uh, sorry, he'll never leave you or forsake you. And I just feel like God's saying that as you step into this season where, you know, there's a new pastor coming in and, and you know, things begin to move and there's this new season so evidently coming that you're on the prefaces of that let's be strong and courageous. And I don't know what that, what that means for you. Maybe it's personally in your own life that it's being strong and courageous in this decision that I'm going to step out in faith and, and sow deeper into the church. I'm going to step out in faith and increase what I'm doing in this church. But hey, let's lean in as this new season comes. And I'm, I'm very excited for it. I feel like um, that's what God was stirring in me in the, in the worship. But I I'm so honored to be here today. I, I really am so honored to be here. And Tim and Beck, um, you guys are legends. I, 
love you guys so much. Um, literally grown up with Tim and Beck, uh, and to watch you guys, uh, you know, be leaders and and come up in the youth group, and then to be able to hand on the youth group to you, and then to now watch you in this crazy position where you're basically like an interim pastor. I don't know. You're doing. You seem to be doing everything, but it's working, and it's great. Um, and so watching you guys is amazing. And Beck, you worship leading. Oh, there's so many people I want to give shout-outs to. Abby, you're amazing. One of my young people. I first met Abby when she came into the youth group in year nine. And uh, it's just incredible that now you're graduating this year, right? That's awesome. And uh, you're leading worship and Beck Marshall and the drums and Kyle McDonald. I feel like we should swap roles. You should be preaching and I should be doing the hosting. I don't know. You're an incredible preacher. Um, but it is really awesome to be here. Uh, I, I grew up in this church and and when I was 15, I started leading worship in this place. Um, I was on this stage with an acoustic guitar and half a voice. And I would lead worship. And, and then when I was 17, I signed up to the internship. And I did that alongside Nick Phipps and Erica, now Erica Winter, and, uh, and Dan Fernio. And, and I did the internship here when I was 17. That really changed my life. Um, at that stage, I thought my life was going one way. I thought it was going in the way of... Um, study and, and finance, and I was in studying commerce, and really what God revealed to me in that internship was that he had a ministry calling on my life, and so I surrendered that to God, and, and it was in this place that I made that decision that's, that's changed the course of my life, that's made me the person that I am today. Um, you know, when that internship finished, I became the youth coordinator, and I did that for a couple more years, and I was loving it. It was the most fun job in the world. It was hard work. There was a lot demanded of me, but I loved it. And, and you know, getting to hang out with a bunch of young people and, uh, you know, lead them into a relationship with Christ was the best thing, and I was, I was loving it. And then completely unexpectedly, um, at the beginning of, of one of the years, as you go and you, at the beginning of a year as a leader in church, you go and get vision. And so that's what I was doing. I was going to get vision, and I felt God say to me, this will be your last year. And uh, I'm like, that's not the vision I wanted. And, and so God said that to me, and I was really like, I didn't know what to make of it, and I didn't want to act too quickly. So what I did is, is I didn't feel the need to act quickly on it, so I went and wrestled with that idea for six months with leaders and, um, and you know, with God, and, and it really became evident that at the end of the year, um, I was going to hand over. So I gave six months notice, ended up being nine months, and, and the hardest thing about that was leaving this church. Um, not being able to tell anyone what I was going to, because I didn't know. All I'd known from God is that he'd called me out to do something. He called me out. I didn't know if I was still going to be in this church, but not just be in ministry, or I don't know. So he called me to leave, and it wasn't until a month before I was due to leave um, that I get a phone call from this person called Chafin, um, who's now my lead pastor. And he called me up. I've never met him before, but he got my number off a mutual friend. And he said, hey, I'm planning a church, and I want you to come plant it with me. That's literally how the conversation went the first time I spoke to him. Um, never met him before, and so I thought, you know, I'll at least have a coffee with this guy. And, and so I had a coffee, and it just became so evident that... Um, in this time in Kalamunda that God was actually even preparing me um, for, for this next season. He was actually bringing out things that he wanted to do in, in this church. And so I said yes. And in April 2019, we launched Everlife Church. And that was an incredible experience. And uh, it was two years that Everlife existed. Um, we saw 42 salvations, 30 rededications, 40 baptisms. Um, it was just an incredible whirlwind. Planting a church is a wild thing. If you ever want to see God move in your life, um, put yourself in a position where you need to plant a church because uh, you have to rely on God in that space. And so we did. And, and then something unexpected again happened where it, uh, in April 
uh, of this year, we actually joined forces with another church, um, a legendary church in, in Albany called Oceans Church. Uh, the pastors there have been serving for, for 28 years. The church is 30, 35 years old, and they felt it was their time to hand over. But they, they felt that it was Shafe and Jess's turn to take on the reins. And so we exp- explored this idea, and we became two churches. Um, so one church in two locations. That's what we are. One church in two locations. And, uh, and so that's where we are now. So my wife, Ash, and I. My, by the way, if you haven't met my wife, go meet my wife. She's pretty incredible. I think so. Um, and so me and my wife, we, we are pastors at Oceans Perth, and we help do a lot of the stuff at Oceans Perth, and um, Shafe and Jess are over both campuses. And we've also got Abe and Jen here, who are a couple of our interns, giving them a quick little shout out, because I'm proud of you guys, um, and meet these guys as well. But so that's a bit about me, and that's a bit about us and, and what we're doing, and I feel like I finally get to bring closure to this, um, because I left without really explaining where I was going, and now two and a half years later, I'm back, and it worked out, so God is good. Um, <laughs> hey, um, let me just pray and then, we'll, and then we'll get into the word. Yeah, Father, I, uh, I just thank you that we're here. And, and God, I pray that as I speak, it wouldn't just be my words, but it'd be your words. And that, God, you'd be shaping us and molding us. God, I just pray that we'd be open and receptive, that there wouldn't be anything that we're holding back from you. But God, that as we surrender to you, we would discover that you're a God that never leaves us, that you're a God that never, you know, uh, leaves us with less, but you deposit more. Um, And so God, I just pray that you would come and deposit to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Well, I have a big size shoe. I have a pretty big foot. Um, Why don't you turn to the person next to you and ask them what their shoe size is? I want to see who, if anyone has any, any, I don't know, who's who's a size 11? Is is anyone a size 11? Size 12? Size, oh, size 12, size 13? Oh, really? Clay, are you a size 13? That's ridiculous, man. Size 14? Really? Oh, my goodness, size 15? That's crazy, size 14. Well, I thought I was good. I was a size 12. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I thought I had, a, I had a big foot. But you know that there's a guy um, that has a size, oh, I've got to find it, size 26 foot. To, to put that into perspective, that's 40 centimeters long. It's, it's actually 1.3 feet long, which maybe, yeah. And uh, could, so could you imagine how heavy that is? Like this guy with this massive foot, he has to carry that around everywhere. And I haven't seen the photo of the guy, but I imagine he's like, you know, Clay's height. He's like five foot 11 or something. And he's just got these massive feet and he has to walk around. But could you imagine the size of the footprint that this guy leaves behind? I've got to say his name. His name is G- Jason Rodriguez. Jason Rod- Rodriguez, a size 26 foot. And man, that guy would leave a big footprint behind. You'd notice when he'd been walking in front of you. Um, And we all leave footprints wherever we go. And uh, I want to speak to you on this idea of the footprint that we leave behind. What are we leaving behind? Our time in this world, in this, you know, in this life will come and go, and we get to decide what we leave behind. There are many different things we can leave behind. We can leave behind a positive impact. Um, We can leave behind a carbon footprint which has, you know, the, the earth pays a price for your existence. We can leave behind a genetic footprint if we have kids. We can, we can leave behind these things, but what impact are we leaving behind that's actually positive, that will actually last, that will have an impact? 
Because we all, we all want to leave a positive foot, uh, footprint on this earth. Uh, we want to impact the, the world, but we want to also make sure that it's not just an impact that will fade away, but it's an impact that will be eternal. So if you want to live a large and expansive life and use your life in a way that will leave the greatest footprints, there is one key that will get you there, and that is living through a generous life. The only way we can live a life where we can actually leave an impact on the world, where we can leave a legacy, is by living a generous life. And, you know, most people think in order to live a large and expansive life that we have to pull things in. I don't know if you've ever played the game Hungry Hippos, but it's like I'm trying to get more and get more. And I feel like that's sometimes the way that we can live. We can be like trying to, you know, pull things in because we want to live a large and expansive life. But the reality is if we want to have an impact and if we want to live a large and full and satisfying life, then it actually comes through generosity. And so while you're in this stewardship series, and I've, Tim's put me on like week four of this series or something, week three of this series, and so I'm like, what else can I bring to this idea of stewardship? Well, I want to bring to you this idea of generosity, that the way we can steward our, our finance and our money and our time is by being generous. So I'm going to read to you a verse from Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 11.24, and I'm going to read it in the message version because I love the way it says it. It says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The more you are generous in your life, the larger your life will become. If you want to live a large and expansive life, then that comes through generosity. And so the title of the message tonight is Enlarge Your World. Enlarge Your World. We've got an opportunity to enlarge our world. And so that, that verse in Proverbs, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. That's the message version. In the ESV, it says, one who gives freely um, yet grows all the richer. In the NIV, it says, yet gains even more. So as we give, we're actually gaining greater things. But if you read on in that verse, it also says the opposite is true. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It's like the more we try and pull, pull it all in, the smaller our world becomes. And so what I want to talk to you about today is how generosity can enlarge our world and, and the different ways it can enlarge our world. And so I'm going to give you four ways in generosity can enlarge our worlds, can, can give us a greater impact. And the first way is that generosity enlarges our heart. Um, you know, that might sound like a bad thing if you're thinking physically, but generosity can actually enlarge our heart. It can enlarge our heart for people. I used to have this phone call that I would get every day at 4 p.m., and, uh, and it was from uh, a call center. It was a, a Muslim man who would call me up and he would try to sell me something. And he would ask me questions like, hey, are you satisfied with your life? I'd be like, yes. Uh, you know, do you, how are you going with money? Do you want to earn more? And, and basically, he's trying to ask me easy questions to set me up for a sale. And uh, as he's asking me these questions, like, would you like to earn more? Would you like to do more with your money? Would you like to, you know, um, expand it? And I'm like, Actually, I'm pretty satisfied. Like, I, I'm, I'm happy with what God's given me. I feel like I'm in the right place in this season. And I could just sense that he was getting a bit stumped. He had to go a little bit off his script because he'd never had this answer before. And I'm like, no, I, I'm actually happy with the money that I've got. Like, I'm happy with what God's doing in my life. I feel like I'm placed and I'm called and I begin to share my heart with this guy. And uh, I had to basically say no to him a few times about this idea of, do you want more? Do you want more? Do you want to enlarge your uh, portfolio and your wealth? And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm just following God. <laughs> 
And, uh, and so our conversation ended. I said thank you. And I think because he knew that I would pick up the phone, he called me every day at 4 p.m. He, he just was ticking, up, ticking me off every day. Um, so I'd call him, and I, and I had a Muslim friend over in Melbourne um, that would call me each day to ask me how my money's going, and I would share to him um, what, <laughs> what life is about. And it was, it was funny. But, you know, isn't that the way of the world, that we need to gain more? It's like an easy question. If you ask anyone in the world, it's like, would you like more money? Yes, that's the, that's the, that's the answer. That's the way of the world is that we need to gain. We need more and more. Um, but in the end, end of the day, you know, we can work so hard and, and, and pull all this finance and resource in and make ourselves secure. But in the end of the day, what are we actually leaving behind? 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 10 and then verses 17 to 19 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation, and they are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. 17 to 19 says, Teach those who are rich in in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be strong. Uh, sorry, by doing this, they will be strong up in their treasures uh, as a good foundation for the future, so that they may uh, experience true life. And so that verse is saying, I, I, I know we could, um, I know, like, I know we can spend so much effort avoiding these traps. I don't know if you know, like, if you've experienced that with your Christian walk, but with your Christian walk, you have to sort of avoid these traps. And we walk around and we're like, hey, I need to, you know, avoid the, the trap of my desires. I need to avoid the trap of my flesh. I need to avoid the destruction and chaos trap. And I need to in, avoid the trap of wandering from my faith. I need to avoid the trap of griefs. And, and what I love about this verse, like we can stumble around our Christian walk and, and try and avoid all these traps. But what this verse is saying is that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. In fact, if you want to avoid these traps, the antidote to that is generosity. It's saying that plain and simple, that the antidote to all kinds of evil is generosity. So if money is a trap, then generosity is the antidote. So generosity is the antidote for my foolish desires. Generosity is the antidote to my ruin and destruction. Generosity is the antidote to my wandering faith. If you're struggling with your faith, then generosity might just be the antidote. Generosity is the antidote to my many grieves. If I have problems with people, if I'm struggling, if I have offense, maybe generosity is the answer to that. Generosity is the antidote for all kinds of evil. That's what that verse says. 1 Timothy um, 6.19, that last verse says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. So what are we putting our hope into? What are we putting our trust into? Are we holding on to, to wealth? Because I don't know if you've experienced this, but wealth can be so unreliable. It can, it can, it can waver. It can be there one minute and go on the next. So are we putting our hope in that? Are we building our life upon this foundation of uncertainty? Because if we put our hope into that, then when it wavers, our confidence wavers, our faith wavers. Holding on to wealth will lead us 
to uncertainty and instability. And holding, but holding on to God will lead us to peace and joy, is what that verse says. We enlarge our hearts with joy when we can put our hope in God. Ecclesiastes 5.10 in ESV says like this, whoever loves, money has, uh, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. It's like we've seen this with people that get rich very quickly or you know, people that get famous very quickly. It's like they're never satisfied. And so why would we spend our lives trying to build security and build wealth when we know that that doesn't lead anywhere good? 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, it says, True godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. If you want to be wealthy in this life, it's not about playing the hungry hippo game, but it's actually about godly, uh, yeah, godliness with contentment. Godliness in contentment. That's true wealth in this life. In other words, true wealth flows out of a grateful and content heart. So if you want to be wealthy... If you want to actually have wealth in your life, it's not about working harder or the promotion or that job. It's actually about, first of all, starting with the heart. Am I truly grateful and content with what God is doing in my life? Because that is a heart that God can work with. That's a heart that God can bring wealth to. Uh, but, you know, we can work for money, but it is so in, uh, unstable. So contentment and generosity is true wealth. If you're looking to make some gains in this life, then firstly, get content with what you have. Let's first of all start in that place um, by shifting our desires and, um, and our love for money to a love and trust for God. We need to just shift that. In Proverbs 11, uh, 24 to 25, says, The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So we can, look that, we can see that not only when we stop playing that game that we are content, but when we start to give out, that God will begin to refresh into our lives. And, you know, this is backed up by research. There's actually some really strong research on this. Studies have shown that generosity also impacts your health and happiness. Studies have shown that older people who are generous tend to have better, uh, better health. Other research has indicated that spending money on others can be as effective at, at lowering blood pressure as medication or exercise. Being generous can lower your blood pressure. Studies have shown that there is a link between generosity and happiness. Um, some, some studies have shown that people are happier when spending money on others than themselves. And this happiness motivates them to be more generous in the future. So not only do you plant a seed of generosity, the, the harvest that you reap from that is a more generous heart in the future. Generosity is also associated with benefits in the workplace, such as reducing the likeliness of job burnout. And in relationships where it is associated with um, more contentment and longer-lasting romantic relationships. Your marriage will benefit from your generosity. Um, and yeah, that's from the Greater Good Science Center. So there's research that backs up this idea. It's not just the Bible. We can actually pull science into it and say, hey, generosity is good for you. You are designed to be generous. There's something about living a generous life that benefits us, our physical health, our mental health, our marriages, our family, our, our, yeah, our life. It, it enlarges our life. And so generosity enlarges your heart. That's point number one. Point number two is generosity enlarges your faith. The more generous you are, the more you will witness the provision of God in your life. The more generous you are, the more you will see the generosity of God come back to you. 
You know, your faith will be built after a backlog of stories of, of the ways that God has come through to you when you live a generous life. When you live a generous life, you will see God's hand at work in your life. The more generous you are, the greater you, your faith will grow. The less generous you are, the, the um, smaller your faith will become. And so as we give generously, what we're actually doing is we're saying, hey, I'm not putting my trust in that money. I'm not putting my trust in that, in that thing anymore. But because I'm releasing it, I'm actually putting my trust in God. Because I'm releasing that thing, I'm actually saying that I'm trusting God more than I'm trusting my financial security. I find that so funny that it's called financial security because that's, what, that's the world's mentality behind it. And my security is in my finance. But when we begin to give that away, it opens up this, this trust in God, this new level of trust we can have in God when we let that flow through. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8 and verse 11 says, You must each decide in your own heart how much you give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take and when we take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. And so the believers in Corinth gave generously and they were able to see God's miraculous power return to them. They were able to witness God's miraculous power as a result of their generosity. This in turn gave them great faith. So their faith was built by the fact that they didn't put their trust in their finance, but they allowed that to flow through. They had a greater relationship with God. And the truth is, a lot of people don't see miracles because they don't give God the opportunity to provide for them in need. When you hold your money, what you're saying is, God, I don't want you to work in this area. I'm going to work in this area myself. And I've, I've experienced this in my own life where I try to pull it in. And I try to make sure that I'm all good in my finance. And when I close that door, I'm closing the door of God's miracles in that area of my life. But when we open that door, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, God, I'm trusting you to provide what I need. And I'm just going to be obedient to you in that. So Matthew 6, 31 to 33. So do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So God's saying, don't worry. Don't worry about trying to make it all work. If you're obedient, I will provide what you need. If you're generous, I will return to you even greater. You can have those things, but it comes out of a place of trusting in God, not your money to provide them. So generosity is the key that invites the provision of God into our lives. Generosity becomes that thing that unlocks God's miraculous power in our lives because our God, I don't know if you know this, but our God is a generous God. Our God is a God that actually loves generosity. He's looking for those who would be a funnel through which his generosity can flow. I love this idea of a funnel because God is actually wanting to impart things to us and and bless us abundantly, but he can't do that if the flow is blocked off. He can't do that if the, if the bottom's blocked off. If it can't flow through, then God can't provide and, and work the miracles that he needs to work. And so what we, need to un, what we need to do is unclog that funnel and allow God's blessing to flow abundantly through us. And we will begin to see God's miraculous power uh, at work in our lives. 
when I was in Oceans, I came to this, um, or it was actually Everlife back in that day. I moved to this church and I was helping out, but I wasn't on staff. I was actually working three jobs. And it was really hard. It was my first time, um, you know, trying to work outside of the church after high school. And so I was trying to make it all work and do ministry. And I was working these three jobs, working really hard, literally like the worst jobs in the world as well. But I'm like, hey, I'm going to do it, whatever it takes. I'm going to do this for ministry. And I was trying to build up a bit of finance so I could do ministry. And what, I fe- what, what began to stir in me was God was saying, hey, I need you to drop these things and just trust in me. And that was a really scary word for me, and it got confirmed by, you know, my pastor and, and um, Ash, we were dating at the time, and she was, she was really challenging me in this area. I'm like, yeah, I feel like this is God, that I need to actually leave these jobs and actually just volunteer full-time um, in this church with no, with no promise of any pay or anything like that. It was just, hey, I need to do this, step out in faith. And so I made the decision, I made the decision that I was going to volunteer full-time at this church plant um, where the senior pastor was only on three days a week as well. And, uh, and so I volunteered, and about a week before it came up to that date, I had this big freak out. I'm like, this isn't going to work. There's no way it's going to work. It's going to cost us so much. Like, it's going to cost us, not just financially, but we were planning to get married the next year. You know, it's going to cost us probably my car. It was going to cost us all these comforts and food, and I was going to have to sacrifice all these things. And I had this big freak out, but I got through it, and I, and I managed to you know, sign up to this year of volunteering. And what I was just so amazed of is, uh, is God's miraculous power just work through that situation. I, I just couldn't even fathom it. I, I couldn't potentially understand what God was going to do through this time. And what ended up happening is, you know, not long after, I would just have random amounts of money dropped into my bank account from random people. I would have people just decide that, oh, hey, I just feel like I need to give you this. Not knowing my story, not knowing that I've made this decision. God was stirring in other people. And and I don't even know because the numbers don't even match up. But, you know, I made it through the week. And it didn't seem like I had enough money, but I had enough money to get through the week. And then not long after that, I was able to be offered a day a week at the church, which was by no means on the cards when I made the decision. And, and I just saw God's miraculous hand at work as I made this courageous faith step. My faith was increased because I put my trust and confidence in God. And not only that, is that we managed to actually get married in that same year. Nine months after I made that decision, me and my wife got married and had the wedding that we wanted to have with no, um, you know, we had an incredible honeymoon. There was no compromises on the wedding. And it's just an evidence of God's miraculous hand when we begin to be generous, when we begin to put Him first in the area of our finance. When you take care of what God cares about, God will take care about God, God will take care of what you care about. If you want to see the miraculous, then begin to unclog the pipe of generosity in your life. Generosity enlarges your faith. It so does. If you want your faith to increase, if you want your relationship with God to increase, then begin to unclog that pipe. Glenn, uh, number three is generosity enlarges your impact. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, A farmer who plants a few seeds will only get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. The, you know, the more seeds of generosity we plant, the more harvest we will, re- will re- be returned to us. You are part of something bigger than, than what you're facing right now. You're invested into something bigger than yourself. It, it's the seeds that will grow the harvest. It's the seeds of generosity that will grow that harvest in return. Uh, 
So, you know, this church, a saying that we have in Oceans is that this church isn't built off the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. And that's true of any church. That's true of this church. This isn't built off the talents of uh, a couple of people, Tim and Beck and, and a couple of other people. It isn't built off a couple of really talented people. It's actually built from the sacrifices of many. In fact, this church, I think it's almost 70 years old. I think it's 68 years old. And you think about all the people that sacrificed, um, that, that were able to make this place happen, that you can come sit in here today and enjoy an awesome, flourishing church because of the sacrifice of literally thousands of people that have come through these doors. This church, this impact, the impact that this church has isn't built off the talent of one person or two people or a senior pastor or anything like that, but off the sacrifices that we all make, of the sacrifices that we can sow out generously. And uh, I, I look at Joy, um, Joy at the back there and just think of all the sacrifices, she, she would hate this, but all the sacrifices that she's made, I've seen her in my own life just watching her faithfully serve. And uh, in, in many ways, we all get to inherit um, the harvest of joy's sacrifice, which is just such a blessing. But let's be like that. Let's enlarge our impact. Let's enlarge our impact. I remember when I was a youth coordinator here um, at Calamunda Church of Christ, we were a very outreach-focused youth group. And that was great. That was awesome. So it means that we were probably more trying to get people in from our local high schools. Um, and we wanted to see them saved. And we wanted to see them come into church. But really what we were doing is we were scattering a lot of seed everywhere. We were just scattering a lot of seed. And, and the thing with an outreach-focused youth group is you don't, see, you don't necessarily see that translate into your church attendance. You know, you might see a couple. You might see a, a handful, a dozen. Um, but the large proportion of young people that come through the doors of an outreach-focused youth group um, just hear the gospel, and then they go on with their lives. They come for like 10 weeks or a year or two years. Um, but, you know, we don't see the harvest of that. But what's been so incredible is now that years have passed since I've been in that role and we, and we ran that youth group, is I've seen other churches reap the harvest. I've seen those young people that have come through the doors actually had a mature seed of faith grow into a plant, grow into an actual physical, genuine relationship with God. And so the, the seeds we plant aren't actually in vain. The outreach youth ministry we ran where we saw, you know, hundreds come in but only 20 stay wasn't in vain. They heard the gospel. There was a seed of faith planted in them. There was a seed of, of, of this Christian walk planted in them that they will harvest in the future. It's not going to be in vain. And, and I've seen that happen to a dozen young people um, in different churches. And, and I, I just believe that as we sow generously, it's the same thing. We don't have to worry about the outcome of that generosity. We don't have to worry about whether that will directly be the answer to that person's problem or be the answer to the church's need. But we just have to know that we are scattering seeds of faith and that God will grow that seed. God will grow that seed of faith. And so as we... So generously, as we give generously of our time and money, our impact increases. And it's not an impact that we necessarily need to measure right here and now. That the, the, the kingdom of God is immeasurable. You can't measure the impact. God only knows the true impact that you're having through your generosity. So all we need to do is be obedient in our generosity. Well, number four, lastly, generosity enlarges your perspective. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19 says, tell them to use their money for good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will store up their treasure as a good foundation for their future so that they can, may experience true lives. 
So as we invest into the unseen, we're investing into eternity. We're investing into other people's eternity. We're investing into our eternity. You will be building up treasures in your eternity as you begin to be generous. Not only are we sowing into this life, the life that we're living now, but we're actually sowing into the next life, our eternal life. And so through the way that we steward our resource, through the way that we give generously and steward this resource that we've been given, we're actually laying a good foundation, not just for the other people's lives who receive our blessing, but for our own lives. Our impact, our, sorry, our perspective is changed. So hope not in the seen, but in the unseen. When we trust in God, uh, when we trust in God to provide everything, you're putting your faith not in what is seen, not in what is tangible or what you can physically feel or touch, but you're putting your trust and your faith into God. You know, money these days, you can't really physically touch it anymore. It's all in a bank account. But it's the same thing. Like, it's not physical, but we can actually, um, we're putting our trust in the unseen. We're changing our perspective from needing to see the impact that we're having to seeing the God that we're serving. And so we can see this in the story of Moses. He was surrounded by such wealth. He was, you know, in the Pharaoh's family. He was inherited all of that wealth. He was good. He was good to go. But in Moses grew this desire, this impact that he wanted to have, that he didn't want it to be a temporal impact, but he wanted it to be an eternal impact. And so he let that shift him. And in Hebrews 11, 25 to 26, it says this, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. You know, if you struggle with generosity, if you struggle with unclogging that pipe, then maybe it's just simply about looking up. Looking, at, looking to what's ahead, looking to what God is doing, not just looking at our situations and our pleasures and our desires that we can have now, but beginning to open our eyes to what God is wanting to do through that generosity, what God is wanting to do through that thing. You know, the more generous we are, the more we get to change our perspective from what we can actually physically see to the God of the unseen, the God that works um, in ways that we can't even fathom. Hey, uh, I'm just going to get the band up as we, as we close this morning. But I want to encourage you, you know, what, will we give up our lives? What are we willing to give up to gain a heavenly perspective in this life? Will we generously give because we have an eternal perspective? We are investing into the ultimate treasure, into, you know, physical, you know, people in heaven. You know, we're not just investing as we sow into the church and as we're generous and we're allowing God to flow through that. We're not just investing into what we'll reap in this life, but we are actually seeing people come into heaven. People's eternities shifted. That's big. This is our why as Christians. This is why we do church. This is why we exist. Matthew 29, uh, tw- Matthew 29 no, Matthew 28, 10. Yeah, that's it. The Great Commission, anyway, um, where God says, Go out into the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is our purpose. And generosity sometimes holds us back from that purpose. Our, our inability to be generous can clog that part. But our wise Christians is to sow, is to sow into pl- places like this church, is to sow into people down the road, sow into our neighbors, sow into the people around us, so that we might reap an eternal harvest, so that we might see their souls saved, so that you know, this place would increase. 
lives. I mean, you guys are all great. It's all good that we're here, but I pray that this place would increase with new Christians. This place would increase in baptisms as you serve faithfully and as God works His mighty power through this church, that you would see the people around you saved. There would be an eternal impact that continues to happen, that you're building upon the incredible legacy of this church. You know, if you want to see more miracles, sowing greater generosity, you want to see your friends saved, you want to see your neighbors neighbors saved, then then that actually happens through us living a generous life, being generous in every aspect of our lives. To steward well what God has given us, we must understand why He's given it to us. It's not just there to make us comfortable in this life. You know, comfort's good, but God's not really too, I've found in my life, God's not really too preoccupied with my comfort. Um, He's more wanting to see me have a great impact. And so why has God given us what He's given us? Why has God entrusted with us? Like God is a giver of all money. He's a giver of all things. And so why has He entrusted us with money? It's so that we can have an impact in this world. It's so that we can actually use it to help other people. It's so that we can unclog that pipe of blessing to other people. Let us steward our generosity well in this next season. You know, as, as, as a new pastor comes along and this church steps into this new season, imagine a church that is just sowing generously, that that pastor just comes in and it's just like, let's run, let's go, let's, let's do this. It's just going to lead to a greater impact. It's going to lead to this place, go from the strength of the past season to the strength of the next season. And I believe that in Jesus' name, that that would be a prophetic word, that you would go from strength to strength as we sow generously, as we unclog this pipe. Make the choice to enlarge your world by choosing to be a generous person. And you know, you know, really practically, maybe there's people here that don't tithe yet, and that's fine. That's, that's totally cool. We're all at different stages in that journey. But tithing is just putting God first in the 10%, the first 10% of our income. It's to say, God, I trust you so much, so I'm going to give you the first 10%. And, uh, and what ends up happening is God blesses the other 90 to greater fruitfulness. And so when we put God first in our tithes, what happens is we're allowing God to actually move in our finance in a routine way. It's, it's a routine. It's something that we don't even have to think about because we're just continually putting God first. And so maybe you don't tithe yet. And that's fine because it's not out of obligation. You never have to tithe because you have to earn something. But a tithing is an invitation to see God's hand work in your finance. You know, maybe you're in this place and you do tithe, but in this next season, you can feel God challenging you to give above and beyond, give over that tithe. Begin to sow even greater generosity. I have a mission for my own life. Me and Ash, we have a mission for our own life is we never want to give less than what we gave in one season, um, proportionately. We never want to give a smaller proportion than we gave. Like we never want to retreat. And so I always want to see my generosity increase. Uh, We'll see how it goes. But maybe that's you. Maybe you've been so generous and I can look at so many faces that I know have been so generous. But maybe God is saying, hey, it's time to go even further. It's time to go even harder. Let's begin to sow for greater fruitfulness in your life. You know, giving generously over and above. So as your new pastor steps into this place, that you can just begin to run into this next season. It's a, it's a decision of faith. It's a decision of trust in God, giving into the future of this church. 
Just like the previous generations have given into this church, we're giving into the generations that are to come, into the kids that are next door, into our neighbors and friends that are yet to be saved, into the neighbors next right there that, are, that live there, that have property there, and that maybe don't even come to this church so that people would be saved around us. As we begin to give generously, we will see God return the harvest in the form of souls, in the form of an eternal treasure. And so maybe it's you and God's stirring in your heart that there would be a generosity around this time, a generosity to to sow even greater. And maybe for you, the, the generosity isn't about your money, but it's actually about your time. You know, our purpose is linked to our time and to our money. And, uh, and so maybe for you, you've been in this place, but it's time to start serving and giving generously of your time so that you can put your hands to something that will have a greater impact than what you've been doing. Maybe, maybe it's time to just start serving on the host team, welcoming people at the door or, you know, serving in the production and learning a new skill. But maybe it's time to be generous as we step into this new street season. Would there be a strength beginning to rise as we live a generous life? Hey, why don't we all stand tonight? This morning, sorry, I lead a night church. (laughs) Yeah, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you have blessed us abundantly. You have blessed us so much that even by by the fact that we're living in this city, that we're living in this state, God, we are so abundantly blessed. And God, I just pray that we would recognize why you have given us those things, why you have blessed us abundantly, God, so that we can be a blessing to others. God, I just pray that we can increase our generosity, no matter what part of the journey we're at, whether we've been generous for, for decades or whether we're just learning this now, Father. I pray that you would increase our generosity. God, as we are generous, would you return greater? God, as we are generous, would there be an impact that is tangible? Would we see people saved through our generosity? Will we see your kingdom built through our generosity, God? Will we see this church go from strength to strength through our generosity, Father? We prophetically declare that there will be strength rising in this season. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's begin to worship God.